Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Difficult Discussions podcast, where we talk about all things related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My name is Riley Garski, and as always, I'm co-hosting this podcast with the wonderful Christopher Benny. Chris, how are you feeling today, and what is today's topic? Hey, Riley, I'm doing great today, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the topic of Hmong marginalization in central Wisconsin. So Hmong Americans are the largest Asian ethnic group in Wisconsin. Uh, They were allies of the United States in the Southeast Asia region throughout the Vietnam War and the latter phases of the Laotian Civil War. And after communism took over uh, in both those countries, uh, in around 1975, they began to apply for asylum as political exiles. And following the war, tens of thousands of Hmong in Vietnam and Laos were killed imprisoned or forcefully moved, and they were victims of targeted attacks in both the nations. So, um, and according to our U.S. Census Bureau's 2019 American Community Survey, there are more than 58,000 people living in Wisconsin who identify as Hmong. And we have Yeshia Wang, uh, the Advocacy Program Director at the Black and Brown Women Power Coalition Incorporated, and also a contestant in the Miss Hmong USA 2023 competition, joining us to help us learn more about the topic. So Yeshia, would you uh, like to introduce yourself for our listeners? Yes, hi everyone, this is Yeshia, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am 23 years old, I'm a Hmong femme woman and the advocacy director um, at the Black and Brown Women Power Coalition where I've been working for the past two years. Well, we are very happy to have you here, and we're excited to have you on our podcast. Um, To kind of get started, what is the Black and Brown Women Power Coalition? Yeah, we are the only culturally specific, meaning we serve black and brown people, statewide coalition who does domestic violence and sexual assault work. And so our mission is to really build the capacities of black and brown advocates to help their communities. And when we say communities, we really center black and brown women, young people, and LGBTQ folks. All right, yeah, no, thank you so much for that, Yeshia. And um, I guess before we go into the other questions, right, so you were a contestant for the Miss Hmong USA 2023 competition. Uh, Tell us more about the event and what made you want to participate. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the Miss Hmong USA Uh, pageant is held in Fresno, where we have the Hmong New Year. And Fresno holds the biggest Hmong New Year. So like people across the nation, across the world, joins this Hmong New Year. Um, It's outdoor, and this year it was really rainy. (laughs) So we (laughs) did the competition indoor, and we had nine contestants across the nation. Um, And for me, it was a good learning experience, although, you know, For me, my platform was being um, in the LGBTQ community and really talking about that. Um, And yeah, I think our community is just not ready yet. So that was my experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's always work to be done in every community when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, So I know that there is a rather large Hmong population in central Wisconsin. Um, What do you think are some of the key issues negatively impacting Um, the Hmong population in central Wisconsin. Could you dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah, I truly believe that all the issues that are impacting everyone today um, also impacts us 
because I truly believe that all of our liberations are tied together. Um, but to name it, of course, patriarchy, um, homophobia, transphobia, deportation, um, and then access to housing. No, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, and I guess, could you elaborate a little bit more on the access to housing part of uh, I don't know if you all have listened to this yet, but we did have a episode on housing insecurity, and we did talk about, you know, like, um, issues that are, I guess, prevalent throughout the United States with regarding to uh, individuals not being able to find affordable housing. So uh, could you elaborate a little bit more on that for us? Yeah, with the work that I do with domestic violence survivors and victims, especially Hmong women who have limited English, um, and also who don't have documentation, right, in the U.S. Um, with, this un- with those intersectionalities, it's very difficult to find housing and then also affordable housing that allows these women to, um, to house all their children in them. Um, and so that is a big, um, that's like the housing situation in our community right now that I've seen and I'm working on. Oh, yeah, thank you. And, you know, women from marginalized communities have added challenges to face, right? So as a Hmong woman uh, who is also a community activist, what would you say are some of the specific issues negatively impacting Hmong women in central Wisconsin? Yeah, I think the biggest one is Hmong men in like the community doesn't see Hmong women as humans. And we've seen in this we see this epidemic of Hmong women passing away due to murder-suicides. Um, it comes in waves. This past year, we lost about three Hmong women due to domestic violence, and this is something that our community sees, but we continue to treat Hmong women as if their lives don't matter. Yeah, that's really disappointing and hard to hear, honestly. Um, are there any initiatives by the Black and Brown Women Power Coalition focused on serving Hmong women in central Wisconsin to, you know, potentially help them get out of situations like that? Yeah. So part of our organization, we hold the only Hmong helpline. And so this is a crisis line, 24 hours, bilingual and bicultural. Um, and it's it's called the Wisconsin Hmong Family Strafing Helpline, but we've gotten calls nationally. And through this, we were we are able to answer calls from Hmong women who need help, and then finding local resources that we've also built with to help support these these women through the situations that they're going through. Thank you, thank you so much for that, um, and also thank you for all the work that this uh, your organization is doing, right? And I do have some uh, a follow-up question or something to add in, right? So you were talking about how Hmong uh, men are, like, you know, not respecting and or not even, like, valuing Hmong women's life, lives. What could be some of the reasons behind it? Like, is there any, like, historical or cultural, like, sig- like you know, reasoning that's that, uh, causing that? Yeah. I mean, a historical... A finding that someone found um, is that a long time ago, when Hmong women was to get divorced, they would be able to come back home. But one day, Hmong father decided that they just didn't want their daughter to come back home, um, and that's it. Just started like a wave of like, if you get divorced, then you're you're shamed, and also your spirit cannot come back to um, the family that gave birth to you. Um, 
Hmong people are people who love a lot and, you know, because there's only 18 last names and 18 clans, and we are indigenous folks, we love and we open our homes to people. But I think due to like white culture of like, like this individual, like idealistic mindset, and then also like just different societal aspects, then like men like want to be aggressive and they, you know, also like, toxic masculinity shows up and so I think there's a lot of like aspects of to why men don't value like Hmong women and Hmong queer folks um, and society allows it to happen. You brought up a very important topic right toxic masculinity could you uh, define or describe toxic masculinity for our listeners? Yeah, toxic masculinity is just really putting men and boys in a box um, and have making like characteristics is being aggressive, you know, having to be someone who's aggressive and manly, someone who doesn't have emotions, and someone who is the household of the family who makes the most money, right? Who controls um, the lives of their families. Thank you again so much for that. So um, the next question dives a little bit more into cultural loss, right? So cultural loss has often been stated as a large issue impacting the Hmong community in the United States. And there was an NPR article uh, titled, After 40 Plus Years in the U.S., Language Remains a Challenge for the Hmong Community. And in the article, uh, they indicated that there are concerns of the Hmong language uh, uh, potentially ceasing to exist around the world in the next 50 years. Uh, what is your view on this? Uh, can you add something to this? Yeah, I mean, because of war and genocide, and then the continuous of like coming into the white like school system, we aren't able to like Hmong people aren't able to practice and live out their cultural lives and authentic lives, um, and this makes me very upset and sad. However, like watching Sunisa Lee, who is an Olympic gymnast, right, and then also we just saw Paying who is Miss Universe Laos, who's also Hmong, be on national stages like that. Articles like this make me sad, but also like because of Hmong women and Hmong queer folks, the Hmong culture will always live. And we are much more than our language, although our language is beautiful and it shows, um, you know, our journey that our, our people is our culture and um, our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything that you'd want our listeners to know about the Hmong community that they might not know? Like, are there any misconceptions out there that you want to put to rest? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always, like, you know, the min- model minorities or, like, you know, like the refugee and immigration, like, you know, stereotypes. But I think something, again, I mentioned earlier before, but Hmong people are loving and caring people we've always have. If I was to go to a different country and I saw Hmong people, we connect like we were family. We are, you know, we are, yeah, we're just very loving and caring people and very open um, community to people. Mm-hmm. So if there was, you know, if, the, if we wanted to learn more about the Hmong community, are there any resources out there that would be, that you'd like to direct people such as myself who want to learn more about it? Yeah, there's a lot of um, organizations, and I'm going to name the organizations that I work with because 
I think we can learn about how um, the Hmong, we can learn about the Hmong culture. However, to learn the Hmong culture in a lens where it doesn't harm Hmong women and Hmong queer folks and Hmong young people. And so some of the organizations um, around Wisconsin is um, Kiesia Inc. in La Crosse, the Hmong American Women's Association in Milwaukee, um, Black and Brown Women Power Coalition, Freedom Inc. in Madison. Uh, we all do Southeast Asian and Hmong liberation work. So we really talk about the Hmong culture, but also really talking about Hmong women and Hmong queer folks. Oh, thank you. And uh, for our listeners, right, so Yeshia had mentioned model minority. So the model minority stereotype is a cultural expectation that's placed on Asian Americans as a group. And the expectation is that the individuals who are part of the Asian American community are going to be smart, wealthy, uh, hardworking, uh, docile and submissive, um, spiritually enlightened and never in the need of assistance. So that was something that, you know, like I wanted to share in case you didn't know. Um, so the next question is, uh, what are some of the resources that currently exist uh, to serve the Hmong population in uh, central Wisconsin? And I think you already mentioned it, mm-hmm. but is there any other organization that you want to add to that list? Um, and so no, however, again, I just want to say we do have our Hmong Family Strengthening Helpline. It is a 24 seven um, crisis line for your, everyone to call and text. Um, and Although it is a Hmong helpline, we do see other black and brown folks who call us because they feel safer calling someone who is not white. And you had earlier mentioned about liberation, right? So would you be able to define that for our listeners and describe what liberation is? Yeah, I think liberation is to someone's own definition. But to me, it's really for black and brown um LGBTQ folks, specifically queer, trans, intersex folks, to be able to move in this world freely, free from violence. So how can our listeners support your work in promoting equity for the Hmong population in central Wisconsin? Because central Wisconsin certainly is one of those areas that has a long way to go. Um, Just the other day, I heard something that was blatantly racist said towards someone, one of my co-workers actually, and I didn't know how to go about it or what to do for them to comfort them and make them feel better. Like, I don't necessarily think they knew how to deal with it because it just was like so out of the blue. Um, But how can we be better allies, you know? How can we help support that effort? Yeah. Um, donate because we live in a capitalist world and we um, to get us like moving and going and so I would say first donate to all the organizations you know donate to efforts that really do community grassroots organizing and so what that looks like is people who base their work on the communities that they're serving right and so for an example um, at Freedom Inc. in Madison, they have a lot of young black kids. And so one of their campaigns is no cops in schools. Um, and so I would say donate to those organizations. Uh, for white allies, I would say do your work, meaning you know, go out, don't take up space. When we need bodies on the line, go do that. Um, and just make sure that you don't make 
like those in marginalized communities do your work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. No, oh, yeah, and uh, something interesting that you know was uh, COVID brought on, right, was a lot of Asian hate. Um, and I guess have you seen that in your work? And uh, are the trends still moving upwards, uh, or is it reducing? Or what what efforts have been made to reduce Asian hate due to COVID nineteen misconceptions? Yeah, on the rise of COVID, we saw a lot of young people who went to school at SPASH, actually, um, the Stevens Point Area Senior High. Hmong kids were, you know, people were saying comments like, you're the one who has COVID. Hmong kids were afraid to cough, were afraid to sneeze because they were being policed by other um, students, right, by their peers. Um, and it still constantly happens. Like we've seen on the news that um, Hmong elders or Asian elders are being beaten up. Um, and so it still happens, although the media may not highlight it. Uh, we try our best in our end to document these things. Well, I want to thank you for your time and sharing those resources because those are integral resources to keeping people safe and, you know, protecting lives and you know, we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us and wish you well in your journey um, with Miss Mung USA. Um, so thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode. Um, we are hoping to release our next episode on June 15th, 2023. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to learn more about difficult discussions, you can donate money to our organization or volunteer with us. Um, you just visit difficult-discussions.com. I didn't forget the hyphen this time. Um, so yes, difficult-discussions.com. Thank you all for listening. See you next time.